What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and all the places you need your music to be. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in-store 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor fastest payouts they help out with automatic splits cover song clearance and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases i dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians bands studio artists DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home, and they also offer label services as well. They've got three different tiers to offer creators that start as low as $22.99 a year. That's just $1.92 per month, and even their top tier breaks down to only $7.50 per month. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper for you check out the link in the episode notes i also put it in my instagram bio in the link tree click that link and it'll give you 30 percent off your first year of service super stoked to have distro kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their longtime support of this thing this episode of the podcast is also sponsored by drops drops are an organ-based edible company and one of my go-to's when i'm heading into the dispensary their consistency and price point keeps them in my regular rotation of gummies i love their 100 milligram canisters that have the little five milligram bites in there they make it easy to monitor dosage and not get unexpectedly blasted the chill ones are my favorite they're this banging watermelon flavor and one thing that i love about these edibles is that they taste great sometimes you get some edibles that pack a punch but taste horrible and drops i have to be careful with because they taste so good that i just want to eat them like a bag of sour patch kids with drops you can choose your edibles based on how you want to feel that's possible because drops are made with live rosin a solventless full spectrum cannabis concentrate as a full spectrum concentrate rosin contains the full array of psychoactive compounds in cannabis which work together to give each strain its unique effect all of their cannabis is flash frozen and processed into that live rosin. The flash freezing prevents plant material from decomposing and preserves terpenes that evaporate during the traditional drying and curing processes. They come in 10 different flavors and strains to choose from, including several CBD variations. You can find drops at your favorite local organ dispensary. Just tap into the link in the episode notes to find a supplier in your area. Big thanks to Drops for their support. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. 
and that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing if you're not listening on apple just hit like follow subscribe wherever you are listening from tell a friend about the podcast leave a comment on a social media post whatever you can do to penetrate the goofy algorithms that we're all up against check out the monthly playlists that i've been dropping every first of the month those are available on spotify and apple links for those are in the episode notes just a snapshot of some of the stuff that i'm listening to throughout the month it's pretty spread out genre wise so tap into those stoked to get into episode 356 of this thing jack wells portland-based singer songwriter and multi-instrumentalist is on the podcast this week he's got a brand new project called wellsy and we are going to uh dive in to that project quite a bit Amidst this conversation, I met Jack and his wife, Mel, when they moved to Portland and they were playing music in one of my favorite Portland bands called Those Willows. They always put on amazing shows with their beautiful vocal harmonies and great songwriting. And they always seem to have these great players in their band who were in all of these other Portland bands. And I just always had very sweet interactions with both Jack and Mel over the years. But had really never had any extensive conversations with either of them, so it was really nice to sit down and get to hang out with Jack and get to know him beyond listening to his music and get a better understanding of how he approaches things creatively. Caragold and Vanny Hands, a couple other great Portland bands, get mentioned in this episode, and they've got a lot of crossover of members within those bands, so uh, definitely check those out if you dig what you hear. On this episode, Ross from Kerrigold was on the podcast toward the end of last year, so if you dig this chat, I think you'll appreciate that one as well. And if you are listening to this in time and you live in the Portland, Oregon area, the second ever live Wellesley set is going down in just a couple weeks on May 4th over at Show Bar for the Junior Bloomer single release show along with headliner and former guest of the podcast, Star Over Blue. Really stoked for that show. I got to curate that bill and some of my favorite Portland musicians are a part of it so grab your tickets for that one before it sells out may 4th over at show bar and with that we are going to get into this thing episode 356 of the podcast send me your dms send me your emails of artists you want to hear on the podcast or just let me know what you're what you're listening to what should be uh, considered for those monthly playlists that i'm putting out there or if you need general life advice i'd love to give some unsolicited life advice if i could i'd just probably have a whole podcast of uh an advice style segment so let's do it send those emails dan cable presents at gmail.com all the things will be in the episode notes to, to keep up with jack in this new wellsy project and we are going to kick off the episode with one of my favorite tracks from that wellsy homework ep it's called brothers let's do the damn thing Brothers are necessary A whiskey bottle Fresh out of college Oh wow, we're both married A kid on the way With empty 
Let's rip. I'm very excited to jump on the mics with you. Yeah. Um, I was very stoked when you told me that you had some some new music coming out, just because I was uh, such a fan of the, the Those Willas project and always enjoyed getting to see that music around yeah. town so much. So it was kind of one of those things when you when you told me that there was new music coming out and the possibility of jumping on the mics like i i didn't really care about hearing the the music first before i said yes it was just like a trust thing because everything that i've seen you do musically has just been really great and any opportunity i've had to see you play in other bands too just like with the vanny hand stuff when you're doing that and the Kerrygold stuff so i was just like yeah all in (laughs) you're a great songwriter i'm into it so i'm excited thank you wow what a introduction yeah um yeah i i took like a long time off you know because i I mean i mean we can all attribute a lot of things to the pandemic or whatever but for me it was like those willows was spearheaded by me and my wife and we just needed some like a break and we were just done with like having the business side of everything and thinking it through so much all the time so i think like yeah it just kind of we were like, let's start a family. Let's do that instead. Let's that that will be our project. So then, I didn't like touch anything or write anything for like a long time, like probably two years. Just yeah. I mean, I played guitar and sang and you know fiddled, but I never really focused. And so, I'm just so happy I finally found like a way back to it. I had to like change some stuff up in my life, yeah. but I feel like more excited about it than ever. So like a necessary break that you didn't know that you really needed well yeah it's weird it's like i think it was like a week before the pandemic was like officially announced i was like hey guys i think i'm gonna need like a month off (laughs) to like veiny hands and caragold i'm like i i just need some time to kind of like chill and not like rehearse and i I just said that to them and all of a sudden like well here's three years (laughs) like to not do anything so yeah because even i don't know before you got to portland you and mel were doing those willow stuff right yeah like how long had you yeah how long did that run so we like we started off it was like under a different project name uh but we started playing together since we were 17 so we were doing like more i don't know like really really folky stuff um the music scene in michigan was just like a lot more like focused on folk and so we were kind of in that world a lot more and then, yeah, when we graduated from Michigan State, we're like, let's go out to Portland because Mel's brother lives out here. And we're like, let's just try something new. And like those willows kind of was starting and like those songs were coming together. So we like switched names, kind of okay. switched into more, I guess, like kind of experimental folk, more like eccentric, like 
pulling from different parts of our influences. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely not just like the straight ahead mm-hmm. singer songwriter duo thing. Like right. It had some like groove elements to it. Mm-hmm. I remember even just like seeing it for the first time here and to like where it ended up maybe years later, like there was big changes in the sound. It felt like was always happening. Yeah. I, I think the, you know, you, you get like a band together and you kind of establish something and then, you know, people's lives change and directions go. And so like our like initial band we came up with, like in, to record our first full length record yeah. in 2016, we like had a foundation band, Kirch on drums, Mike on bass. And then Kirch, uh, you know, started a family and moved to the gorge. Mike moved to New York. It was like, okay, so the foundations changed. And I think like I'm someone who needs to have like collaboration. So like mm-hmm. anyone that we brought into the band, I wanted their voice to be heard. So I think that's just how it, why it changes. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Like also just like the people that you did bring into the band and like seem like they were songwriters in their own right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost everyone is a songwriter that's, that's plays with us for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is important to you about having that collaboration in those situations and not just kind of having some role player step in and be like, these are your parts. This is what you're doing in the band. And I'm not really interested in mm-hmm. like what your ideas are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there, I mean, there's players, right? There's people who take jobs almost like that's pretty much how you f- look at it. I think if you're just, Hey, I'm taking a job, I'm going to play drums in this band. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Cause this is what they have on the record. I've done that. You know, I've done something similar to that, but it ends up being a little bit more collaborative. Cause that's just like how my, energy is with people but I think um really I just I I don't know any other way like growing up with music like I've I don't read music I don't take lessons or anything I just I was in a band from the beginning so it was like collaborative from the beginning like I was on drums they're like hey we found this better drummer do you want to play guitar (laughs) and so I was like yeah I guess I'll learn guitar and so it was just kind of like I think having unique voices means trust or like when you allow someone else to play or you're collaborating you're you're kind of developing trust so then therefore i think band dynamics in general are just a little bit more free and and feel better yeah yeah i always like that it Mm -hmm. just like feels like everybody is a little more invested in the project too Mm -hmm. not just kind of up there doing the thing yeah but i understand why like why it works on the flip side of Mm -hmm. like these people that do just kind of step into projects and like this is what you're doing tonight. And, you know, like maybe not even really, you're just kind of like in the rotation of players. Maybe you don't see that person in the band every time or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's so. like an, and it's an expectation from the audience sometimes too. It's like if you're touring like a specific record that people are like, they're coming out to see this record and they want to hear it the way they, you know, they, they hear it. Then, yeah. you know, I don't want some free flow, like <laughs> someone just kind of like noodling over the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Well, before we dive into the the new Wellesley project, take me back like even further and talk to me about what you remember about just like falling in love with music early on or mm-hmm. just like what you, what are your early music memories? How did you get into this? Yeah. I mean, my dad and mom have always, you know, music was in the house. It was just like always kind of being played. And my dad was obsessed with like the Beach Boys and the Bee Gees and my mom loved like Boy George and like all that kind of world. But I think where it really, I can just remember this one very specific moment. Like I just, it always comes back to this like one moment where I was 
on a road trip when I was like seven or eight with my friend's family. And I just got a Walkman or like a CD player. Yeah. Is that what it was? A Walkman? Discman. Discman. There we go. Um, and, uh, my, uh, my friend's older brother was in the car and he had like a binder full of CDs and he was like, Hey, you can, you can choose any CD in here if you want for your CD player. And I was like, I can like, really? He's like, yeah. And that was like my first like catalog of stuff I've never even heard of before. And I remember I put on like the, the Beatles, uh, uh, like the Apple album. I don't know. It was a green apple. I just remember putting it on. And that was like the first time, like, looking out the window, listening to what I decided to listen to, and then, like, just feeling something from mm-hmm. it. Like, and uh, I, I don't know, from that moment on, like, I just started seeking out music, like, left and right. And then that's, like, when burning CDs started happening. Yeah. So I found, like, a neighbor who ha- could burn CDs. Oh, and then... dude, when you found that first person <laughs> yeah. that had the ability to burn CDs, it yeah. was incredible. Yeah, and then my brother kind of also tacked on some, like, influence too he's a little bit older okay and he was like uh the gamer computer whiz so he was like way ahead of like napster world downloading stuff you know we were brought up in detroit area metro detroit area and like you know eminem was everything so we were (laughs) i remember him like playing eminem for me for the first time and i was just like oh this is (laughs) this is insane so everything was it was it pretty wide from the beginning as far as like what you were listening to from older stuff to more contemporary and bouncing in and out of genres like pretty early on yeah I, i think i was really open to most things and then it kind of fine-tuned itself as like the beatles and like art it was like i was into blink 182 and green day yeah playing pop punk music absolutely and then i got introduced to arctic monkeys and then the strokes and then those like kind of started creating different avenues and then like arctic monkeys led to radiohead and radiohead led to animal collective and animal collective you know it just kind of like led to these pathways of getting out of just the the pop punk world and getting out of like radio and anything that was just given to me for listening like and just being oh I'll accept this I I started finding my own path like probably senior year of high school going into college I love that you like remember that moment though of just like being in the car mm-hmm. making your selection and then like having it hit I remember. I was on a bus ride one time solo mm-hmm. and uh, it was just like a few hour bus ride. I was in California going to visit my mom and I was just sitting next to this dude on the bus and he was a little bit older and just a very similar thing where he had a binder with him and I only had a few CDs with me and he noticed that I was like listening to music and he just like very nicely was just Hey, if you, if you want to go through these, like anything you want to listen to while we're on the bus together, like go ahead and just like grabbing a CD out of there. This like rancid outcome, the wolves CD and just like absolutely like blowing my mind. And also just like, oh, that kind of that, that older brother archetype Mm -hmm. or just like, I don't know, those people that are a little bit older than you could you on to music when you're that young always seem to like play this important factor yeah. of like showing you things that you wouldn't stumble upon yourself yeah and i wonder like i feel like it simply like my brother's just like i think you'll like this like i was like yeah i will like I, it didn't like it didn't matter like i was like yeah i like it uh i mean i i I think I got better at deciding like as yeah. I, as I fine tune, but like anything you showed me, I was like, cool. Yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> Growing up in that 
in and around like the Detroit area, did you feel like that Motown impact pretty heavy of like that being a part of the culture or just at least like knowing how close you were to this this mecca for this genre of music? I'm so glad you brought it up. Yeah, I mean, Motown is huge for me. Like, um, I, to this day, listen to it all the time. Like, I, uh, I, I feel like even within our music, a lot of the rhythm section is based off some Motown, um, just grooves in general. Like, I really love that, like, you know, like, yeah. kind of um, retro bringing you, like, nostalgia, like, within, like, a more modern context. But, like, I, I feel... Motown is everywhere in Michigan music. Like a lot of the bands that are still coming out of there, like you think of like Wolfpack, um, they're they're like taking like more of a funk side to it all, but they're like they're incredible yeah. and they're like using those roots and those that feel. And then like even like a more like more smaller scale band, but like Joe Hurtler and the Rainbow Seekers, like mm-hmm. they they they're everyone's pulling from that like that beautiful like. I don't know, Michigan groove, but yeah. yeah, I think it's like really important to keep that stuff still alive. Like even in, even in my like folk world, you know? Yeah. I've always wanted to go visit that, that museum there. Yeah. I, I have never been, I, I am like, I, I should, I've, I've played like in and around those areas. Like I've played like in Motown records, like at the basement or something, yeah. but I have never, I've never seen the actual museum. Yeah. yeah I got to go back. And as far as like some of that spirit existing in your music, I feel like maybe you get some of that out of the importance of like the harmonies, Mm -hmm. especially like what you're doing with like the, those Willow stuff is like, that was always like such an essential, like core to like what you and Mel were doing with the, the vocals. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, harmony is right now, like with Wellesley. So like those Willows was like a harmony, you know, driven me and my wife have been singing together forever band and, with Wellesley, you know, I have the, our, our band's like two months old, so we're, we're, we're getting to know each other better, but there will be harmonies. We just, we were like, we're like, oh, we'll set aside a practice where we'll learn some of the things I have recorded, but we just never got to it. So like you could, even in our first show at Strum, you could like kind of hear them like in the background yeah. <laughs> trying some stuff. We'll get there. <laughs> I love that though. Yeah. Just like, I don't know. There's always something more communal i think about everybody singing on stage together whether they have a mic or not Mm -hmm. and sometimes i prefer that they don't like yeah i think that there's like always something fun to watching somebody on stage that doesn't have a mic singing along with everything yeah it looks like they're like the music's like well i mean because it is it's like taking them like it's yeah they want like they have to like they have no choice or something because the music's so powerful or something yeah you can like feel their engagement in those situations for sure so what was like the first move to like away from not just listening, mm-hmm. but participating in playing in music in some fashion? Yeah, I think like the idea for me was like always surround yourself with someone who's better than you, like at, at your instrument, like so that you can kind of grow and learn from them. In college, I, I just happened to like luck out and have like a, a dorm full of musicians like that. My hallway was just chock full of people who knew how to play music so like in that time my buddy matt reavers he lives in chicago he's actually on tour with bikini kill okay uh in this band called cb radio gorgeous but matt he just had an approach to 
guitar playing that I like had never seen before. And he just like taught me, he's like, just like look up some blues chords and then mess around with them and like, look up this and like, just kind of like play around with these things. Like, don't, don't, you don't have to like mem like, or like learn it. Just, just know some, some different arrangements with your hands. And from there, like I started like playing with just like how I would play a chord. And I think he fundamentally helped me like see music in a different way. And then I was in a band with him called Malls where I played drums. And I think he like, it reinvigorated my like rhythm section that like I knew that going forward with writing, I like had to have a strong like rhythmic thing behind like my guitar playing reflected my drumming because at the same time, simultaneously, they're like working together. Like yeah. I was getting back into rhythm while trying to learn new stuff on guitar. So that like my guitar playing is like really rhythmic now. And I think it then lends itself to like drums for sure. Yeah. Do you think that's cause you started on drums as well? Like that, that yeah. like really informed whatever else you were going to do because you had that lens of a, a drummer or the percussion. Yeah. I think there's just a powerful. Yeah. I mean, definitely because like if you, any song that I love starts with something like the drums are incredibly important to the song. It's like the foundation. It's like a pizza. It's like the, there's bread, sauce, and cheese. Like, I feel like you have to have a good drum part. Yeah. You have to have a good bass part and you have to have a good guitar part. Like, yeah. it's just, it's like it, they all have to speak to one another, but they, but they, they, they're the foundation. Cause if that's not right, then there's nothing good. Like it, it just loses its appeal to me, uh, f as my own writing. For but, sure. I mean, obviously some songs don't have drums, but that's like a decision that, that, you know, you make because of the song you're listening to it. Like you're listening to yourself. So college was like really when you started gravitating towards songwriting and yeah. kind of picking apart the guitar a bit. Definitely. Yeah. I, cause because the influences exploded during that time and just like listening to so many different genres and things, I think I was like, it was like the, a candy shop. Like I'm like, okay, so now what do I want to Like, how do I want to like play guitar? Uh, like how do I want to, like, how can I express myself? But there was like a long learning curve of like getting good enough to do anything that I wanted to do. Like I think the college years I was still focused on school. So I couldn't really fully do music the way I would wanted to. Like we managed to record a record, but I like, uh, I was still like learning quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, the first record, it feels to me like, yeah, kind of like, like I can see that I was learning what I now know and like, it just feels older to me. I think a lot of people go through this when they, record records so like wow yeah. i sound like, young or yeah. <laughs> sure you know so it's necessary stepping stones yeah to like making better records too yeah because i think once i got out to portland like i was able to solely focus on like playing guitar and having like hours to sit there and like work on it and discover new tunings and and like kind of dabble into more mature writing like where like I had more life experience or yeah. like I was starting to have more life experiences yeah I mean it definitely came across to me the first couple of times of seeing those willows and what y'all were doing that it was like a more seasoned thing like it didn't look like it was some first efforts of yeah you know playing music right I mean yeah I've been writing since I was a kid like pretty young so the way i mean that's nice that you, just, you saw it that way because like i think in my mind like i feel like there's just so much growth you can consistently have like there there's no end to like, the growth you can continue to like get at like yeah. I'm, 
and like moving out here too, like within three days of moving out here, we played a show with Adam Brock, who he like he has his own music. His he's insane, uh, and he's just a uh, he he like taught me a lot about like opening up to the song and opening up to myself, like and how to not settle on like the first pass, not the mm. first draft, and like. He was a, the biggest influence after college for everything I did, and he recorded everything we did, and he like helped Mel and I like really like challenge the lyrics and challenge each other. It was cool. Like no one else had ever done that to me before, where they were like, mm, "Let's let's think about why you're doing an ooh and ah here," you know. Oh, so nice to have that. Yeah, like someone to like actually push you in a direction and like not just allow you to like have those first passes and mm-hmm. especially someone like Adam where it's just like, Oh, just monster musician, killer yeah. producer. So someone that you, you know, want to trust like yeah. with your, your songwriting and you're like, well, if he's got something to say about it, I'm sure, you know, he's trying to take me down a, a path that's worth traveling. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird to meet someone and then like so quickly be like, Oh yeah. Like, you're what you have to say is so important like i i there's been no one more i think more that i I respect more than adam and his just commitment to music like to this day he's he's in la he moved to la like like five years ago or something and he's just been like he lives in like this log cabin like that's disney's old like it's Walt disney's old like uh stable for his horse or something (laughs) and it's like this beautiful beautiful little spot and he lives next door to the bass player from Weezer okay and he just is like in there you know making these TurboTax commercials right, and his jingles and yeah, jingles dude. and stuff and I'm just like I don't I don't know like I could never be that dedicated like as much as like I love music mm-hmm. like I think there's some people who can like fully like engulf themselves and like submerge themselves in music I'm too like I don't know. I, I like, I bounce around a lot. Like I've been in a lot of bands. I've like, I, I, I'm, I'm maybe easily distracted, but something like that. I hear you. (laughs) There's definitely some, uh, some sort of ADHD going on with, with me and just like, it's like, yeah, I love doing this podcast and I want to like do this, but I also want to like dabble in all these Mm -hmm. other things and and fuck around and and try some other stuff. And yeah, (laughs) cause it always comes back around to like the thing that I really do love, which is like making my own music for myself. But like, that's how I get like Caragold and like working with Vaney hands, like those bands, like Caragold's the first time I ever played lead guitar on anything like, or like lead rhythm, whatever that was. And I wrote all my parts in the studio. Like I just like didn't like didn't know what I was doing, but like Ross trusted me enough to just kind of do that. And I feel like that has really lent itself to like growth too. So like I said in the beginning of this, it's like all about this trust and collaboration that yeah. like I long for and need. Like I, I need a lot of new um, voices working with me to keep motivated to do my own thing. Yeah. And that's like such a cool way, I think, to do it too, when you get to participate in these other bands and kind of see how like other collaboration processes are working and like how other people are maybe like running their projects. And mm-hmm. I remember Ross, like that moment is like documented on like on this podcast mm-hmm. of him talking about like that moment in the studio where you didn't really like have your parts yet of like, and it just kind of like worked out. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a bit of the, um, 
the procrastinator in me. I think I think I was supposed to have my parts. <laughs> but I and I don't know. I think there's just something to like pressure that like really works in the studio sometimes. Like you get a lot of good when you're under pressure. Yeah. Um because like time constraints with like I mean there's there's so many different ways of looking at it like like now that I'm recording my own stuff like that's one thing and that's really nice but then there's also like yeah like hey you have three days record a whole record you can get a lot of really good stuff in that in the in that really tight timelines but yeah Caragold really <clears throat> expanded my palette for guitar playing too and helped me like realize that uh, like working with Ross, like he is a very different guitar, like writer than I am and incredibly talented. And I was, it was like the most challenging project I've ever been on just cause it's like believing in myself that I could do that kind of like, like, like solos and stuff. Like yeah. I just was doing nothing like that. It was not your, like your those willows was like <laughs> not not even close to that. Yet. <laughs> you weren't shredding. <laughs> no, I was playing like some doo-wop chords and, <laughs> and harmonizing. <laughs> so it was just like a big step for me. And I think it was, it was good because then I can, it's not like it's like making its way too much into Wellesley, but it just shaped like that. I could, yeah. <laughs> the fact that it was there, it's like a confidence thing or something. For sure. Yeah. Uh, going back to Adam Brock. Is, yeah. So did you record in that basement studio in the Brooklyn neighborhood? I did. Which is dope because that's where this podcast started. Oh, And that's yeah. Mountaineer Studios is like where I recorded the first, I don't know, 75 episodes of this thing. I worked with Mike who oh, yeah. rented out that studio space to Adam in that Mike in was that awesome. Space. Yeah. Mike was <laughs> so chill. Great. Yeah. Uh, um, that space was beautiful. Oh, I miss it. it that was, kitchen and yeah, that that whole place was like such a cool vibe. Like I wish, I don't know. That's like one of those spots that you you wish you can like hold on to or or help mm-hmm. the people that are are staying there like hold on to it. But you just like nobody has control. Over I know, it and it just like yeah. falls by the wayside. But that was that space was yeah. I was spent a whole summer there yeah. just recording that. I I remember now that you say that. I remember you. We were talking about that. Um, but yeah, I I loved that spot. That was we had like events there too. Like I threw some like uh where Haley Hendrix played, like I did oh, some like dry run, which is what our event company was called for like a a year or something. I don't know. Yeah, I I um it's so many spaces like that in Portland, you know, they come and go. Yeah. But like at least we have at least we have a good memory of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. It's nice. It's nice for I don't know. Not everybody knows about that spot, so it's, I'm I'm always stoked like when I find somebody that had like some sort of shared experience there that didn't necessarily like cross over through them being a guest on the podcast in that space, but like actually experienced it doing yeah. something completely different, but Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a gem. It was a gem. But also, uh, I'm, yeah, it's, it's good to see, obviously, Adam has had a big impact because he, you know, it seems like he's a, still a collaborator of yours and, and comes up on the record on on the homework collection with B and yeah. it's like such a cool tune. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Honeybee was, it was funny because for that EP, uh, it's called Homework because um, uh, I took this class through school of song it's a it's based in la but it's all virtual like through discord and through some other things but uh school of song they like grab 
some amazing songwriters to teach a month-long course. And uh, this one was from Robin Pecknold of Flea Foxes. Okay. And I was like, I've been a, I've been a fan of the Flea Foxes for a very long time. They're they're like segmented writing and like interesting polls of like how songwriting in a formal like folky vibe like they've yeah. really challenged that and I and I think that's really influenced what I do um but he was like amazing at teaching and uh he like talked with me like he, we would message back and forth about the songs I was writing like he and there was like 2,000 people in this class but he was very good about like and in this like good about making people feel like what they were doing was worthwhile um so he like pulled that class pulled me out of I think my rut of writing because each each homework assignment that he would give would have a certain instruction like one was called collage and that one became the song popcorn on the record and then one was just like hey I have this book that he recommended called I remember he's like I I hope that you all purchase it just as homework for this homework to read it and it's just like a book of a, and the author is just going through his life and he's flipping through it. And it's just, is like, I remember when I saw a rainbow and it didn't amuse me. I remember when I like ate fried chicken and it, I, it didn't taste right. Like it was just stupid stuff like that, mm. but it helped me like completely write this whole thing. Like I it just was kind of like pulling from the past, but trying to apply it to, I guess like this anticipation of a new thing that I was going to be yeah. doing, which is parenting. Um, so with all that being said, I came up with this homework EP and then Honeybee was kind of like the one that I collaborated with Adam. I I wrote it on like my crappy $75 uh, classical guitar and I sent it to him in a, a voice memo and he was like, he's like, I'm going to chop this and just make it, I want to make a song, like I want to play some stuff behind it and make a song from this. And I was like, sweet, like, uh go for it. And like, I, I don't know what to expect, but he's like, yeah. So then he started doing it and he's like, actually just send me the, I need the vocals. <laughs> Cause I'm like, yeah, of course the perfectionist is going to come out in the way. <clears throat> so then I end up sending him some vocals and some guitar stuff. And I'm like, I just don't know what he's going to do with it. Cause all the other stuff was like recorded by me and produced by me, but I wanted to see. And it comes back like this, like almost like eight bit video game Mozart <laughs> background stuff with my like really tight vocal like on it. Like it, it sounds like I'm in the room, but everything else is like this crazy blanket of arpeggiated stuff. And I loved it. Like I was, it was just sounded like nothing I've ever heard before. And B kind of became like on, on this like five song EP, it kind of became like its own outlier of like its own thing within the mix of everything else yeah. but like I feel like it's like a nice like ginger palette cleanser I think
like where it sits on the record too because yeah. it's like I think uh, like popcorn is kind of this cool like I don't know like you get the first two tracks and you feel like maybe you have like have it figured out in some way of right. like yeah, yeah. oh this is the vibe of this thing and and popcorn like starts off in like a similar you know kind of stripped down vibe but then it, it like dives into these different production dynamics that have a little bit more layers so i, I kind of like that that's like mm-hmm. almost the uh the curveball into like sending it into like honeybee you know? right it's like all right yeah it takes like this at the end of it because it has like those segmented uh things like the collage prompt or whatever so yeah. like, there's three songs basically within it and they all kind of have their own unique thing but the ending part has like this cello preamp thing that i threw through like a delay pedal through my amp and then re re-recorded it and so that kind of creates that same kind of atmospheric yeah. tone that leads right into yeah to be where it, it's like oh okay a little experimental i like get like i, I kind of get bored like i think i've this with songwriting that's too straight ahead mm-hmm. but like you said it's like kind of like really straight songs and then it not straight anymore yeah which i dig yeah yeah definitely like i don't know it's it sticks out i don't know those moments Mm -hmm. on the record you know and it's just like oh there's like this additional layer of production and just like some different depth to to those tunes and doesn't allow you to sit in the same space for the entire time which is nice yeah i think it's important for a listener like especially depending on like how you're listening to it. Like I really, uh, with this being kind of the first time I ever recorded myself, I, I really wanted it to sound good through all the platforms. Cause like I realized everybody, I mean, this is something that every musician talks about probably, but you know, I really wanted it to sound good through your phone. Yeah. Um, because just so many people just like sit there and throw their phone on the counter while they're cooking and just like let it play through their phone. Like, which is, like blasphemy to me but like you know (laughs) people do it like and i think my wife does it too i mean like it's not like a it's not a bad thing it's just people do things differently um but i'm like headphones like through the through the sono speakers like i i I like i need need it to be nice like or something (laughs) but i realize that when you do that you kind of lose you can lose how it feels for everyone like so i really took the time with these songs it like took me six months of just like playing it in the car playing it through my phone playing it while i'm walking through my phone like outside like just how does it sound when it passes and i feel like it it's just much more the fidelity of it's just very different than the last stuff i've done like where it's just like way more like vibrant or bold comparatively to some of the older those willows things it's funny that I, I feel like it always used to be like, all right, let's give it the car test, you yeah. know? And if it sounds good in the car, mm-hmm. then we're then on we're the right path. <laughs> yeah. But now like there is like things to consider of like a lot of people are doing what you're saying of just like throwing it in on their, on their phone. And it's just like, Oh, what does it sound like through there? Mm-hmm. Cause if you can make it sound good, somebody just playing it through the phone you know, yeah. and it translates that way, then I think that you're, you're pretty golden at that point. I mean, like, yeah. How many times do you see someone like in the mall or something walking by with like their phone up yeah. <laughs> or, you know, and also even like the difference between using headphones, like the ones that we have on our heads right now, which are like nice studio headphones or AirPods. Yeah. Like I, I did AirPod test. I did like it all just to 
like it's not like I'm doing some scientific thing. It's just about a feel. Like, right. does it feel right in all these different places? And that came down to mastering too. And that's my my buddy Matt, who's the drummer in our band, uh, Matt Langless. He he mastered it, and he was just so close to the music that it really helped. Because a lot of times, like when you're mixing and producing, you're really close to your mixer and producer. Like you're like working hand in hand, you know, doing this stuff. And then you just send it off for mastering. It's always said like, send it off for mastering. And it's always some random like person you're not really connected with. They haven't been part of it from the beginning. Yeah. Not that it, because mastering is more of just like making it feel good and leveling it out and making it feel right in every speaker, in every situation. Yeah. It's hard to be, for me, it's hard to be like, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> like, like I don't have the ear for it, but when I have my friend who's been working with it, like in playing the music live and understanding it and he masters it, he gets it like, right. And that was cool. That was the first time I had someone who was as close to the music as I am, like finish it. Uh, cause I put all my efforts into the mixing and producing. I was like nervous to master it cause I didn't want it to lose anything and I didn't want it to be too much. I don't know. Yeah. So and outside of that, like, was all the instrumentation on the recordings you playing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, all those songs, each song was recorded and written in one day. So uh, it took a month. So it basically, like, I would get a prompt, go in my basement for eight hours, write it and record it, and then be done. And I never touched it. Like, I mixed it here and there, but, like, I didn't, like, change or re-record anything on gotcha. top of anything. So, like... Those songs kind of are a timestamp of of that class, and I think that's probably also why they feel a little bit more natural to me, or something. They yeah. they feel like a little bit more like in the moment, capturing yeah something. Does that maybe also like speak to what you're talking about the the procrastination thing and kind mm-hmm. of being under the gun of like yes that forces like a good kind of creativity for you maybe absolutely like that's I mean like I've done the twenty song game challenge a bunch where. You yeah. write and record 20 songs in one day, which is insane. But yeah. I love the energy of like, it's kind of like I'm doing the thing where I have a time crunch in the studio, but I'm just doing it to myself and there's no reason to, to do it that way. I have time, but I just feel like, like I know for my next batch of songs, I'm going to have to take a class like now, now, like it just, it's just part of the deal. Like I have to wait for the next singer that I like coming through that class <laughs> and then do it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about those prompts that are like so key for you and like producing good, like, I don't know. It seems like you're getting good results out of it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just like the, um, it's the collaborator, you know, it's like the, um, I don't have access to Robin Pecknold on the weekly basis, but yeah. like, it's great to sit in a room with him basically and, and hear his perspective on things. So it's like, it's the collaboration desire. And like, though I love everybody in Portland and there's such a huge scene here of people who I admire and their songwriting, like there's something more intimate about like needing guidance or something without taking it too seriously. I, and also having a time crunch, like people can't really hold you accountable. Like, like these classes can because you're I mean you also want feedback from people so yeah. I mean I I don't know I am kind of a person who just needs to have everything set up and have pressure like I mean this this going into the studio with Kerrigold is why I was able to do that under pressure because like I was it was boiling and I had a time crunch and then <laughs> I could execute I don't know it's a weird 
I think that's just how creativity works for me. Like it has to be time stamped, I guess. It's like, I I have too much stuff in my life, you know, like my son is running around the house. Yeah. I'm at work, you know, nine to five stuff. So I'm just kind of like, I need that carved out pressure. Helpful for the lyric writing too. Yeah, definitely. Lyrical writing is interesting in general for me. Like I don't write anything down. It's just all voice memos Mm -hmm. of just over and over and over and over, rinse and repeat, uh, edit, repeat, edit, (laughs) until something feels unique or feels like it's not too easy to understand what's going to happen next. Like I always feel like with verses, I try to change how the verse feels from verse to verse so that it's not like the exact same print, you know? Fuck with the structure a little bit of it. And I think that came from songwriting classes. That just came from prompts of like, hey, challenge this. Or Adam being like, why are you why are you doing it? Maybe say something different here or like think of a word or yeah. change it up in that way. Like popcorn is a pretty good example of like popcorn using that word. <laughs> like was just like a, like I, I literally named the song popcorn before I even started and I knew I was going to do something with it. I think some words can just spark something. inside my brain these people love you what are you insane popcorn on the oven top popping inside my brain these people love you what are you insane sure light goes further further in the When you're living a second way to set up a prompt for yourself of just like all right i'm just gonna call it this and i think that like works a lot of times too for um even beat makers like when they send uh, a track to someone that's gonna throw raps or vocals oh, over sure. it yeah. and sometimes like when you talk to the vocalist you're just like oh what's the where'd the inspiration come from this song and it's just like well when the producer sent me over the track it was it was called hot sauce. So I just kind of like went, <laughs> yep. I went in on that. It's called yummy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. That makes sense. I mean, <clears throat> there's a reason why, like there's an inspiration, you know, behind it. So, I mean, it, subtle words are like how I'm trying to think of a song that like does that really well that like I think of, um, 
Ah, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to do it, but <laughs> I'm not that good. But <laughs> like, You're under the gun. Yeah, I know. I'm like, uh, <laughs> never mind. I, I'll take it back. <laughs> no, one thing I, I think I appreciate about the the record lyrically is that like I know it feels like you're you're definitely like speaking upon things that are like very near and dear to you like throughout the record and I like I remember even at the the record release at Strum you talked about popcorn and like how that was like inspired by your your grandfather right just yeah. like always having popcorn mm-hmm. and just like the the first track on the record seems to be you know about your son yeah and you got the 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 mel track in the the, yep. the honeybee and it's just like all of these things that um feel very like near and dear are are present but there's uh there's a lot of vagueness to mm-hmm. it as well so it doesn't there's there's a lot of mystery while it feels like you're revealing a lot of emotion like and yeah there's that that balance is there yeah, I, I, I think that's like a really key component to writing in general. Uh is that like you can sense the emotion and, and the direction behind the songwriting, but where like there should be some mystery, right? Like there should be like you shouldn't be able to be like, Jack has anxiety, he had it when he was in fourth <laughs> grade, you know? <laughs> like, you know, it, it's it shouldn't be so literal, but it is. Yeah. But it isn't. Haley Hendrix did Mel and I like talk about Haley Hendricks. She did an interview where she just like doesn't, she doesn't say what her songs are about because she's just like, I really value people's interpretations of what I write. Like, and that's more inspiring to me than me telling you like, yeah, it's about collecting bugs. Yeah. You know? Um, but I feel like what was informed, like the, like what informs the song that I was writing, like life beside me is the beginning or the starting of it. And it was like, it's kind of like this, I was talking about this with somebody, but there's nothing like any, there's nothing in the world that's similar to anticipated love. And I kind of wasn't like this whole thing is about and this anticipation of love, knowing that my son was coming because this is before he was born yeah. uh, that I was writing these songs. So I was just like, I, I never, you don't ever in your life think about like, Hey, I'm going to love something soon. Or like, you know, that's just not something that comes up. So that was kind of informing, I think the whole idea is like this it's like almost like nostalgic because i'm pulling from the past but i'm also talking about what i'm about to have happen mm. yeah. and i think that is why it's vague <laughs> yeah. and why it's like what this what is this this feels like something i know like i think the listener can feel it and feel like this some, something they've experienced but it's maybe not like so like cut and dry like i fell in love i'm out of love or you know i have a son and he's everything I thought he'd be. It's, it's not like that, you know, it's like, it's close, but it's not so on the dot on the nose. I think that's important to like leave that inter that room for interpretation. Totally understand. Like when people don't necessarily want to like speak about like what a song is like Mm -hmm. clearly about just to, you know, keep that mystery alive. And I think I've had to like learn that over time, even facility, like facilitating these types of conversations. Cause right. there's plenty of times where like, yeah, I do want to know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. as, as someone having these conversations, but I think I've also like learned that maybe it's more interesting for me to like ask a question of like, what were you experiencing when you were right. going through this rather than like, well, who's this about, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think like the Beatles documentary did a really good job of showing 
like getting rid of the allure of like musicians having this crazy like ability of i mean like songwriting is it's an amazing ability like don't get me wrong like songwriting it, it it's not something that just comes natural to everybody but but like watching that Vito's documentary like the most recent one is it what was it called that disney one the one that was yeah, on disney. disney yeah man i don't know why i'm i've don't sleep on it it's I, so good i need to watch it yeah. i know that it's 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 great it, it's <laughs> crazy but like it also but it dismisses the layer of like how amazing they are in, in a lot of good ways like it's like it just shows like paul mccartney playing bass and then writing like get back but it just 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 like strumming his bass and just yeah. kind of coming up with lyrics like just a dude in a room right writing he's not like some sort of no, genius necessarily no, you know he's just like he's a genius he's a genius <laughs> but like it, he's he's also just a guy who like knows how to play bass really well and was yeah. writing i mean i don't know i think that there's I think the illusion of of musicians has like really changed like a lot since even 10 years ago. I mean like yeah. people the question of just like how do you write a song is very different now. I mean like cuz like you said it's a little almost like boring to know like what a song is about. Like you just learn about it and you're like, "Okay, end of conversation." Or like knowing the bigger picture and knowing like these conversations where it like grabs you from where you started to like where you are now yeah. that's really the thing that informs everything to like like why are my album sounds the way it does like it's not so much like exciting that i went into the basement and wrote some lyrics but what 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 is exciting is that you now know that like i started with the beatles and i moved to this and you know like yeah. that's I, I don't know i think people are looking for like the journey for musicians and trying to understand like how things come to yeah play. absolutely and i think that's also like for me personally well, I've grown to uh, appreciate where we're at with like this culture of releasing singles, like mm -hmm. a front to back collection of tunes is still always going to be like the most impactful yeah. thing for me because it feels like it allows for that more long form storytelling, even mm -hmm. if the songs were written in such like different spaces, like you're writing this record based on these prompts and mm -hmm. like, but it, it like all feels like it like really belongs together and it does seem like there are these like overlapping themes right yeah i mean people who are doing this well too like that are inspiring to me are like andy schaff like if you listen to his records like they're it's so worth it to just listen to the full thing and to to hear the whole story yeah. and like see how like he went from like the party to this new one called norm where it's like a murderer i mean like the whole thing if you really pace it together it's like you get to know like his brain throughout these these albums yeah. and i think it's just like single culture makes a lot of sense to me because like a lot of people attention spans with music or artists is literally that three minutes that they they have like that you know they're like listening to it on the way to work and then they're not going to listen to a full record i mean people's lives yeah. are busy and different but there's there's so many people in the world that crave the record crave sure. the crave the body of work like I mean, at least I hope so. I mean, yeah. I know that I'm an album listener. Like, I don't shuffle things. I listen to things straight yeah. through. But maybe I need to, you know, maybe I need to get up on that <laughs> single that single game. Well, I think it's also nice with, like, your Wellesley record is that, you know, each song can stand alone on its own, too. Like, you yeah. don't necessarily need the context of the other songs around it to, like, have an experience with it. Like, mm -hmm. you could just 
put it on shuffle and it That's would true. work. Yeah. Um, because you had like kind of these timelines for putting each song together, like did that kind of like also overlap into the, the process of, of arranging the songs for uh, like the sequencing of things? Like, was that something you kind of needed to do very quickly and not overthink yeah. as well? Actually, I didn't even decide it. Uh, Matt was like, hey, I mastered it. This is the order, right? And I was like, yeah, but I actually didn't decide that order. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. I knew that like Life <laughs> Beside Me was going to start and I knew Vesuvius was going to end. You had your bookends. I had my bookends, but I was like, I don't, I think honeybee somewhat in the middle i don't know i just i think i sent it to him maybe in that order but i didn't realize that like oh i should probably think about the order so no yeah that was once it was decided for me i was like thank god i mean it, it was just decided and like you said these songs weren't like needed to, they it wasn't like a start beginning middle end like some stuff i've done where it yeah. has like a beginning middle end it's more like i want every song to be its own unique identity like and i think going forward that's how i'm going to continue doing it like i have i've written like four new songs since this ep and they all bounce around don't feel like they're connected but they also have the underlying theme of now i'm a father yeah and now what's the next anticipated thing that i'm going to be doing and correction self-correction like i think a lot of things that come up after you know having a life that you're trying like you're trying to parent this new person into and you know teach them and be a good person i think that like self-correction of my like figuring out what i need to correct within myself is yeah. like the next theme like just because uh, i'm like oh man that's a lot of work i yeah i can't be i can't be shitty <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would assume that that just like whether you want it to or not, like that's going to creep into the music now. Of just mm -hmm. like having that influence of this completely like new stage in your life where you're you're not just your own person, you're not just mm -hmm. a, a partner and a husband. Now you're you're a father mm -hmm. to some someone. Yeah, yeah, and it. I think it's like I feel like it would be in all context like a comedian who just talks about their kids like Ugh, you know like you know they start to lose their edge or something yeah but i think in some funny weird way this is kind of creating more of an edge for me because it is a life event and like up until this point you know i was even like what we talked about earlier going from college into like moving to portland i just didn't have a lot of life events that were like worth like that were such a significant change that like sparked something that needed to like come out of me. Yeah. Like I, you know, I've had a like a decently good life and like just, you know, uh, I think maybe that's like, I think this is the first time in my life where I've been like challenged to a point where I'm like, Whoa, this is, this is the most challenging thing I've ever done. So shout out to parents. <laughs> like it's hard. <laughs> I I think like Andy Sandberg put it in a funny way. I think he was like everybody's like you should have kids. You guys should have kids. Like you guys would be such good parents. And we're like yes, yes we would. Let's do it. We've been together for 15 years. Let's do this. And then we did it. And then everyone's like it's hard, huh? Like every parent switches the, they switch it like yeah. on you and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's going to get harder too. Yeah. Like once they start walking, you're, you're screwed. It's like, oh God, what happened to the person who was like super sweet about it? <laughs> Baby, I lost the keys. 
together for so long? Was it strange making a record without her? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, it, it's definitely... We've t- I mean, we obviously talk about it because it, like, it had to be talked about. I'm not going to just be like, uh, honey, uh, surprise, <laughs> here's a record. Uh, no, I mean, I think she knew that I was like desperate to continue making music and, and I like have the itch to be on stage and to perform like performances like so crucial to my like mental health and just feeling good and like getting back out there. Whereas she definitely like has that too, but I think she was, you know, her strong suits in a lot of ways was definitely performance. Don't get me wrong, but she liked all the, you know, creating of images and creating like, she was like kind of more the manager of the band and making sure things like ran smooth. And she has like helped a lot of like the editing of the music and, and like making sure that it was cohesive and made sense. And I, I don't know what I'm getting at, but I think it's just like, because I like wrote a lot of uh, like the actual like guitar and like starter melody stuff, yeah. like I had to keep going. Like I can't, like it just comes up. And she, she realizes, like, you know, those wills just isn't our focus anymore. Like, we do have too much stuff, and I know you need to do this. So it was kind of, like, odd seeing her in the audience while playing, I have yeah. to say. <laughs> it, like, threw me off. Like, because initially I was like, maybe I'll just bring you up, like, for some harmonies, because you know them. Like, you've heard me singing these songs around the house. But she's like, no, I just kind of yeah, want to watch you. Like, I want to see you do it, you know. Like, and I no doubt in the future we'll continue to work. Yeah. on things like on the next recording too good yeah Jack. yeah i know this is it's it's a waste mel out yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the next recordings for wellsy will have her on there i mean she yeah. is wellsy like as much as i am wellsy like she's she's influencing these songs and her voice is like our voices together are something that like I, this shouldn't be apart they should be they should come back together and we know that we just Right now, like, I think the first couple of years of being a parent, you're just kind of getting your feet on the ground, yeah. but we'll get back to it. I mean, why not? I'm sure it's uh, nice to just have her, too, to, like, bounce ideas off of, oh, like, yeah. someone you trust musically. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, this is, like, what I'm working on. She's really good at, like, like I said, she was kind of more of, like, the editor-in-chief, and she would really help me, like, push me to go further, just like Adam. I think they both work in that in that way. Um so when I was showing her these new songs, she was, because I did the due diligence of like actually editing myself, like as I was doing it and like using prompts to write, she didn't have as much to say, which was kind of cool. Like, I mean, I think that the growth of like, I think that's why I find these classes from school song, like really cool and interesting. So if anyone out there is like looking for something to like truly open themselves up a bit, like I think it, it really helped and it, it didn't need as much editing because I was going deeper ahead of it it was like less surface area or less surface and more like in depth yeah focus and because you made like this these songs kind of in solitude and on your own what was it like translating that to the live show i know you've Mm -hmm. you've only got like one under your your belt so far but even jamming in the room with with dylan and matt like what what was that like and I I don't know I just remember like seeing you at Strum before you played and I was just like oh I really like the songs and you're like I think it's gonna be a little bit louder for the live show like I think <laughs> yeah. it's gonna maybe surprise some people that these songs are gonna you know yeah. have some some edge to them live yeah I mean I I because they were all written like you said like in this like kind of quiet way um, 
which is what they needed. I mean, that's just like what the songs were calling for at the time. I knew that when the band was going to get back together, if like drums live just bring out a bigger energy. Like yeah. even if you're playing soft, no matter what you're doing, it's just it brings out the energy more. And I knew that I wanted to bump it up. Like I knew that I wanted the songs to feel like you're moving to them. Like, and I trust those guys so much. Like Matt was in those willows. Dylan was in those willows too at the end. So uh, both those guys, I just was like, so excited when I said, Hey, I have a really low pressure band that I'd love for you guys to join. Yeah. Like, I'm like, we can rehearse like just a couple times and just play some shows whenever we feel like it's a good time. Like I really put it out there. Like we don't have to be super business about this. Like we can just have fun. And I think that really worked because now we just kind of get together and everyone's like, yeah, we let's bump this section up. Like we took that, ending of popcorn that was like very sparse and like big and we made it into a country section yeah <laughs> and then yeah we like just kind of bump things and move things to that we felt like would keep momentum within the the set some fucking rock and roll moments yeah dude. yeah yeah and then like the newer songs kind of have some like radiohead dark like rock kind of parts like where i'm like soloing and i'm like yeah. okay I think it's in some cases you want to see a band live and you want it to sound and feel exactly like what you here on the studio or in the in the record or you kind of want to be surprised like and for me like i i like i think that they some songs deserve to have like a different presence live like they just don't translate Agreed. if you don't like work with it so yeah, yeah we <clears throat> i definitely took that into account when we were like playing i'm like no bump it bump it like we like i'm just i want energy up here like as much as these songs are like folk background they still have like, I, I want people to be moving and feeling comfortable and able to talk to their friend while they're having a drink or something. Yeah. I don't want people to be like, oh, I can't say anything. <laughs> you know? that, that kind of stuff, like, gets me a little nervous, like, when it's too quiet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was a great live show. Like, it definitely offered something different than the record, you know, like yeah. we're talking about. And, yeah, it just seemed to have a lot of energy, especially for just the the three-piece band which i love yeah um when the guys when we got together they're like so we is there anyone else i'm like no 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 it's just gonna be a trio and they're like sweet i'm like i'm like for one scheduling i don't want yeah (laughs) another person's a lot a lot more to deal with and for two i i just think i think of this this uh george harrison i'm like bringing up the beatles like a lot i'm not usually just talking about beatles (laughs) stuff all the time but uh (laughs) George Harrison has like these demos on like Spotify. I think it's like the 1970s demos if you type it in and it's a trio and it's just him like going through like my sweet Lord and like those, those songs have become huge later on, but they're just playing like drums, bass, guitar, vocal. And it's awesome. And it's, it's way more like groovy and, and not so like, hallelujah, you know, like huge. And that was like kind of what I wanted for Wellesley was to, to, for it to be like a tight friend group, tight like no no like i can add stuff to the record i can add like little pops of keyboard and whatever else but it's i do want these songs to still feel like the foundation like i said pizza bread sauce cheese like it's it's kind of what i've always wanted was just something so stripped and so like tight that it and we'll get tighter i mean that was like a couple couple rehearsals we'll we'll get we'll get that was great man it was yeah yeah it was killer. 
but it's cool to just like have yeah foundation and so everything that we do can be more creative in that yeah. way like it's it's less tight when there's like it's funny i just said i want it to be tight but it's actually like less tight when there's three of us because we can all speak more like yeah the bass absolutely. can speak more i the drums can do more things i can allow more breath for each person yeah, yeah. for sure that was all very present for sure and i i, I like that there's that space and not necessarily like i don't know things that feel Filler. a little busy or i don't know because some some things need that some some things oh, need yeah. that five-piece band mm-hmm. or it feels too empty and this definitely didn't feel like it was lacking anything so yeah yeah i mean granted like i hear like what could be there but i also know like i do think it's a vocally driven band still like in that I still want that to be important and like the more that the guys sing, the more that will be present. And like, I think, yeah, I mean, vocals are to me are like the most important, like in rehearsals, like we're not loud. We're not like trying to blow ourselves up here. We're yeah. just like, it's the vocals are the loudest thing in rehearsal. Like for me, like for I sure. like need to hear that to be able to even like play the chord. Right. Like I, I if I don't hear myself, I can't like, <laughs> ar- I can't dynamically articulate on the guitar like I can't translate it yeah. the way it's supposed to be. So the band knows that they play to the voice. Like, I think that's the most important thing for this project is like, we still continue to play to the voice. It's what Mel and I always said with those, Willows those two, it's like, this is vocals. This is the most important thing. So our band knew. So as long as we like kept that in the back of our mind, have as much fun as you want. Yeah. It's just, but keep that vocal. <laughs> you know? For sure. Yeah. Well, I love the tunes, man. Thanks. And yeah, it was great to see the live show. And uh, yeah, like I said up top, I've just been such a fan of your, your songwriting since finding out about what you were doing in Portland when you, when those Willows first came here and what you and Mel were doing and just to to see the progression with that and get to see like the, the handful of things you've, you've played in since then. And yeah, like I said, I was just very stoked when you're like, I've got a new project and I'm going to share these tunes soon. I was, I was excited. So there's, there was some anticipation there and, uh, really appreciate the, the collection of tunes you put out with the, the homework EP, which people should definitely go and check out. It's available on all the things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear, you know, the next, the next progression in this, too and just see see what those songwriting prompts keep uh yeah providing me too i'm excited too i mean we i should have an i i I, my anticipation is to get something out as soon as possible like i have nothing to not do that like the planning aspect of music stuff and all that i'm trying to be like i don't care i'm just gonna put out music and yeah and thank you for all your support dan like all the stuff you do for portland and and you know spotlighting artists and making people feel you know, in a community, like you're, you've built this awesome community and yeah, I mean, I, I wanted, you were the first person really I reached out to. I was like, oh, yeah, reach out to Dan sweet, Cable. I <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I'm doing what I can. It's honestly just like a lot of fun for me to get to sit down and like do this type of thing with people and just kind of like what we were talking about of like, I don't necessarily need to know like the ins and outs of every single song, but like when I get to like sit down with someone like yourself for like an hour of like I don't know you and I have never really like hung out outside of like rubbing shoulders at at shows and you know Mm -hmm. 
that kind of thing. So to like actually get to sit down and, and talk with you for an hour and get like more of the full scope of yeah. where the music is coming from. Like I'm the next time I listen to homework is going to feel different than it did, you know, an hour ago when I listened to it three times. Yeah. So totally. That's yeah. That's, um, I'm excited to, for one, hear his back and be like, wow, I talked a lot. <laughs> no. You're supposed to. You're uh, supposed to. There was no pulling things, pulling teeth with you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's really important to, to keep these types of things going. So people do have like bigger picture of artists and like the inner workings of, it's not just like, Hey, this is easy. And we just do this. Like, no, we like think so much, There's so yeah. much of a thought process behind everything that musicians do. Like no one is better than the other at thinking. Like we're all, we're all putting what we can into these songs. So it's cool that you're spotlighting it because it just is important for, I don't know, just art in general to really understand where it comes from. Like we could all use a, I could all, you know, I could use a lesson in like why painters paint the way they do. Like, you know, and I mean, fuck, you made a whole record because like, you know, with the, the inspiration of like one of your favorite songwriters, right. You know, coming from this fleet foxes thing mm -hmm. and just like having that inspiration of, you know, yeah. to communicate with this person that has made all this music that you really love. Yeah. It's, I mean, the world in a lot of ways, like where I think a lot of people, I'll wrap this up, but you know, like the, the, how Spotify has changed, how we look at music and how all this stuff has changed, how we view music. And it's hard for musicians, musicians out there to make um, money and blah, 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 blah. But there is some beautiful thing about technology advances that allowed us to get closer to music yeah. and people that we really admire. So like where things are bleak in some ways, they are awesome in others. And so I just try to keep that in mind as I yeah. continue to make. You it's know? like as shitty as the payouts are, it's also the way that we get to hear music from all over the world and everybody gets to like throw their ideas yeah. out there without any sort of gatekeepers on, on that end of things, you know? Mm -hmm. It allows me to do this goofy, you know, this right. goofy radio show that I put out every single week or whatever. It's just like I, I don't need someone to you know, give me permission to do it. I just like have a place to put it. Yeah. So. It's amazing. Well, good work. Thanks man. You too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to play the episode out with the, the last track on the record, which is Mount Vesuvius. Yeah. And you mentioned, I will not ask you what that song is about directly, Jack, but you did <laughs> mention that you knew that you wanted that one to be the book end. So yeah. what, what about that one spoke to you as like the way that you wanted to close out the collection of tunes? I think actually with, with Vesuvius, I was imagining actual live performance with that song. Like that song out of all of the songs in EP, like I knew it was going to have energy and feel good and like kind of, it's the closest thing to those willows, I think on the record in terms of like vibe and energy, but Mount Vesuvius to me is just like an explosion of like that song. I have been sitting on some sort of version of that song for a long time. Uh, just playing those open, it's an open D and I was like playing this chords over and over again. And I just really wanted to pop off yeah. in some way. I was like, I need it to be kind of like a cel celebratory sounding song. So I think I started thinking about, the themes of the album and like anxiety and changing and growing and like getting older. And my first real kind of like anxiety attack happened in Pompeii in Italy. 
<laughs> so this is kind of like, okay, well that happened. It changed my life. It made me understand something. And now like, this is kind of like the, like, it's okay. Yeah. And this song is like, has like some dark background, but the reality is, is like, it's acceptance and it's like this fun, like understanding of life and, and, uh, like I'm changing based off all my surroundings and I'm going to keep changing and it's okay. So that felt like a good ending. Like, it's like, okay, I'm changing. I want to keep growing. This song is kind of about that. This is a good like place to leave you because I'm going to come back with some more. Right on. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to wrap things up. We're going to play it out with the Mount Vesuvius off the Wellsy homework EP, which is available now. I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with Wellsy and Jack and jack we end every episode of the podcast with the guests saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program and it means absolutely nothing it's just the way that my grandfather says uh program he always <laughs> says it with a u for some reason and uh, it's just a goofy way that we end the show so if we get the uh the wellsy it's a program we can properly sail this thing out it's a program. You nailed it, everybody. That's Jack. Uh, we're playing it out with Mount Vesuvius, and that's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side. Portland or wherever you are listening from. Cool, man. We did it. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> Mount Vesuvius mine Fossilized dust in time like an old wine Napoli vines I care where we choose to align a continent apart a great divine I pay my respects to a different shrine I'm way out of town, I'm homebound, homebound If we both feel it, and we both need it Then we might as well pass it on
mountain in a park of great divine I pay my respects to a different shrine My way out of town, I'm homebound, homebound If we both feel it, and we both need it We might as well pass it on want to give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my instagram bio 30 percent off your first year membership with distro kid helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be and big thanks to drops for making some of my favorite edibles in the game keeping me fine-tuned with their gummies whether thc heavy or cbd heavy Great for stress and solid sleep. Find them at your favorite local dispensary. Appreciate the support. More info on drops in the episode notes as well. Stay up. Stay tuned.